May it please Almighty God to bless us together this afternoon as we meditate in his word. Let us turn to the Epistle of Paul to the Romans, chapter 8, and we'll read verses 24 and 25. The Epistle of Paul to the Romans, chapter 8, and reading verses 24 and 25. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We should be very thankful that We have in the Word of God the epistle that Paul wrote to the Romans because it gives us some wonderful and glorious truths and directs us to those things which every true believer needs to know and to understand. And here we have in this uh, uh, account or these verses before us here this afternoon uh, the great word of hope hope. Well, says the Apostle, for we are saved by hope. And that, of course, immediately uh, poses the question to us, what is meant for each one of us with regard to being saved? Well, it's something which we all need to know that we are saved and know exactly what it directs us to. And of course, what it directs us to is uh, the saving of our souls. Saving of our souls from that eternal destiny in that terrible place of hell. And it's good, you know, if we are constantly concerned. And the Bible does encourage us to examine ourselves. Not just go sailing along through life without any concern about our spiritual state. We need to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith or not. To know whether we are saved or not. Whether we are on a journey which will end and bring us safely home to glory or not. It's a great blessing, therefore, if we have a good hope that it is well with our soul. You can't just pass these things over. If I was to ask you this afternoon, do you have a good hope that you will be found in heaven at last? Well, I hope you do. But if you can't say that, are you concerned about it? Does it cause you grief? Does it cause you sorrow? Does it cause you sadness? Does it bring urgency into your soul that you might have that good hope to know that the Lord has come and he has called you out of the darkness of nature into the glorious light of the everlasting gospel? You see, we live in a, a lukewarm age when people come and go and are not really very concerned 
about the health of their souls. They're very concerned very often about the health of their bodies. But you see, our bodies will perish. Our soul lives forever. How much, much more important it is then to know that we have a good hope through grace that it is indeed well with our soul. And therefore to be able to have the evidence that we are saved by hope. That hope which the Lord has given us in his mercy toward us. That he hasn't cut us off as the Bible tells us, as a cumber of the ground, somebody who is not worth any notice. Do you know you and I are born like that? We are already a cumber of the ground until the Lord in his sovereign mercy and love comes and calls us out of that state of nature into the glorious light of the gospel. And all of us here this afternoon are either still in that dark condition that we were born in, or we have been blessed with spiritual light, and that we know what it is, therefore, to be saved, and that we do, therefore, have this good hope that it is well with our soul. It is the one thing needful. Jesus said, didn't he, to Martha, one thing is needful, and Martha has chosen that good thing. My friends, this afternoon, do we possess that one thing needful? Do we know the blessing of Christ? Do we know his wonderful favour? Well, we have here today a harvest thanksgiving service. And I think we should always consider this uh, in two ways. First of all, to remember God's faithfulness to us individually and as a nation in blessing us with once again a harvest. And what a proof it is of God's promise being again fulfilled. Year by year, we see this occurring, God's faithfulness. And so we should be very thankful, especially if we consider our own heart, and if we consider uh, the uh, laws of our nation, many laws passed which are contrary to God's law and his direction, and yet his mercy endureth forever. Well, this afternoon then, as we consider, first of all, our natural harvest, we need to be thankful. You know, one of the great problems we have today is thankfulness to God. How many things we take for granted. Many things in our lives. The food we have, the clothes we wear, the homes we have, the friends and families we have. These are all of God's goodness and mercy. Do we thank him for those things? And if we do, my friends, I hope we can go further and thank him then for his grace toward us. That wonderful gift of his unmerited favour. To have the wonderful evidence that the Lord has come and given us
the great gift of spiritual life so that we can come and say we are saved by that hope we have looked to the Lord we have prayed to the Lord we have called upon his name and he's heard and answered our prayers well all of you here this afternoon I don't know where you stand in a spiritual sense I don't know whether you pray or not I don't know whether you perhaps pretend to pray and yet there's no reality in the prayer. You see, if we are to pray rightly, we are to come believing that our prayers enter in. We're not to come with an evil heart of unbelief. The Word of God tells us that which is not a faith is sin. And therefore, if you and I come with just some theoretical prayer, some prayer which we're used to saying, just mere words, with no faith believing we're approaching the majesty on high, then you see the truth is such prayers are not God-honouring and such prayers are sinful. It's necessary that you and I realise what the Bible speaks to us about. So we must not just cruise along in life hoping, hoping that somehow at the end it'll be all right. Well, says Paul here in these words, uh, for we are saved by hope. Are saved by hope. He has the evidence. The apostle did have the evidence in his soul uh, that he was saved and how necessary it is for us here this afternoon to have the evidence that we are saved because apart from there being this natural harvest there will also be a spiritual harvest when you and I will be, get, we will be gathered from this earth there will be a harvest of our soul. We won't live forever on this earth. There will be a harvest. And then what a blessing if as we look at the natural harvest, when is the, ho when is the corn harvested? It's harvested when it's ripe, isn't it? There's no point in harvesting it before it's ripe because you won't be able to beat out the grain and there won't be any benefit. It has to be right. But when it is right, then it's a time naturally to harvest. And it's the same in our spiritual life. There is a time that will come if we are amongst the true church of God when we will be ripe for eternity. Now, you young people, you may think, well, I'm only young. I'm going to live for a long time. I needn't worry about these things. I'll think about them when I'm a bit older. Well, just remember, the Bible tells us, the old must die, but the young may. One thing is certain in our lives. <coughs> a time to be born, a time to die. We've all been born naturally 
we'd all have to die soon. And how important it is then that when we come to that time, we are like the corn, fully ripe, ready to be harvested. That we are ripe. And by that, I mean we possess the evidence of God's mercy and God's love to our souls so that we are ready to depart this life as the Apostle said and to go and to be with Christ which is far better well see I don't know whether you stand where you stand this afternoon but it's good as I've said to examine ourselves to see whether whether if the Lord should come even tonight and harvest us whether we're ready to go and to be with Christ which is far better or whether we shall perish in our sins eternally now these things are not trivial are they they're so important so necessary for us to think upon and to consider for we are saved by hope now the apostle goes on but hope that is seen is not hope what he means is if there's something which you can actually physically see and it's tangible you haven't got a hope for it because there it is you can observe it you can see it but you see you and I need the blessing of God-given faith to believe the glorious truths of the gospel and to be blessed with faith to believe that the Lord Jesus has come to save my soul. Let's be clear, real religion is personal. It's personal. Yet you and I must stand before that judgment seat of Christ. You and I have to give an account of the things done in the flesh, done in our body. You can't depend upon what anybody else says. It's between our souls and God. And so we have this great statement, that is seen is not hope, because it's there. But then he goes on uh, to say, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Nothing to hope for, is it? You see, hope anticipates that which is to come. And so, my friends, are you and I anticipating a glory, a glorious end in our lives? Have we a good hope that it is well with our soul? You see, the devil will tell you, you needn't worry, everything will be right in the end. In any case, you're only young and there's plenty of years ahead. Let's reiterate, we know not what a day nor an hour may bring forth. And the Lord tells us very clearly, be ye also ready. That's the vital thing, isn't it? In your life and my life, to be ready. The Lord should come to harvest our soul, to have the blessed evidence that we are ready. What a mercy then. If we have a concern for that, saved by hope, what a man seeth, 
why does he yet hope for? We see something positive, we don't need to hope for it. <coughs> but if we don't see it physically, we need to hope for it. We need to have <coughs> a good hope. And so the apostle goes on, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. The Lord tells us, your time is always, but my time is not yet. My friends, the Lord waits to be gracious. And if you haven't the evidence that you are saved, may you truly be waiting and waiting patiently indeed for the Lord to come and for the Lord to show to you that you are a needy sinner and you need a glorious salvation. And the salvation only comes to the knowledge of the Saviour. What a mercy then if the Holy Spirit comes and directs us to this great and important consideration. I often think of the wonderful illustration that we have in the Word of God in the life of the uh, uh, Psalmist David, who was a man of God after God's own heart. But we're thankful he was a man, same as we are, with the same difficulties and the same fears. And the opening verses in Psalm 40 are very instructive. And they tell us what David tells us. I waited patiently for the Lord. He waited patiently for the Lord. He was waiting. It's no good saying, well, I'm patient. Are you waiting? Are you waiting patiently for the Lord? Because David waited patiently, but he had a good answer. You see, David's experience was positive. My friends, that's what you and I need today. And so he's able to confirm to us the goodness of the Lord to him. And may we be able to trace it out in our own lives, the goodness of God toward us. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. But what was evident was David was praying to God. In actual fact, he tells us he was crying to God. Yes, it was an urgent desire. I sometimes think of the position that you have with a, a baby. A baby doesn't, isn't able to actually speak. But when a baby needs something, what does it do? It cries. It draws the parent's attention. The parent goes to the babe and uh, does what's necessary for that little one. So here we have David saying this great thing and uh, heard my cry. Well, perhaps you cried to God. Perhaps you haven't been able to formulate any wonderful words, any wonderful long prayer. Perhaps it's just been a cry, perhaps it's been a groan. As you come to God, you've been waiting patiently and you're waiting for him to look upon you. You're waiting for him to hear and answer your prayer. And you're crying earnestly to him. 
It's not something that you do and forget about. David was in a desperate condition. It's a good thing when you and I are in a desperate condition with regard to the state of our soul. And we come crying out like that publican did. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. My friends, every true believer prays that prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It never becomes old-fashioned. It never goes out of date. It's always needful. As you and I still continue sadly to sin, we wouldn't uh, be proud of it at all, but we need God's mercy continually. And so David tells us here, I waited patiently for the Lord. Remember, patiently, for the Lord. For the Lord. He wanted the Lord to come and to speak to him and to appear for him. And he cried to him. He tells us then what happened and where he was. He says, He, Almighty God. And that's a very humbling thought. And I hope you understand that. To think that God, the creator of the universe, the almighty ruler, condescends still today to hear and answer the prayers of poor, unworthy sinners of the earth. Oh, what a gracious God we have. What a merciful God we have. And I hope you can confirm that by the evidence in your own life that God has had mercy. He has heard your cry. And so David tells us, He, God, God, He. That's the one who delivers. That's the one who hears. God. Don't rely on people. God. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Well, David had got himself into that pit. We can imagine, can't we? A pit with steep sides, sticky mud, impossible really to get out of the pit because it's so slippery. Every time you try to get up the sides, you slip back. You cannot deliver yourself. Just the same in a spiritual way. You might think, well, I'll just rectify that and I'll change this and I'll do this. My friends, you need God to bring you up. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay. See, David here is giving a testimony of the deliverance that God granted to him. And again, let me say this, it's always good when God comes and hears our cry and brings us out of the horrible pit. Perhaps we got in there because we've done something which we shouldn't have done. Yes, perhaps no one else knows about apart from you and God. And there you are. And you can't get yourself out. Well, 
God's the one who helps. God is the one who hears. God is the one who gives you that hope. Yes, hope thou in God. Don't look anywhere else. Hope thou in God. Because we have the glorious testimonies of so many saints of God in the Word of God, who God came and gave them that good hope and they were delivered. My friends, God still delivers today. And so he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And then we read a glorious statement. And, you see, he didn't just bring him out and say, well, there you are, David, get on your way now. Fend for yourself. No. The Lord took him and he put him on the rock. And I hope you understand what the rock is. The rock is none less than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, there is a wonderful foundation for your faith and my faith, for our religion to know that we are established, as he goes on to say, and established my goings. Established in the things of God. You see, we do want to be established in the things of God. You know, Paul was able to say, humbly and truthfully and honestly, I know whom I have believed. And you and I today need the grace to be able to say the same words. I know whom I have believed. Because we can give the reason. David could give the reason. Paul could give the reason. That this God, this God who is my hope, the God who has saved me, this God is the one who has come and delivered me. This is the God who has established me in the things of God. You see, we want to be established in the day and age in which we live, my friends, so many Christians are not established. It seems almost they're on sandy ground, sandy foundation. When the storms of life come, they don't know what to do. But you see, if you and I are established on the rock Christ Jesus, my friends, that's a good and firm foundation and we will not be moved because the rock will never be moved. My friends, Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we can rely upon what Christ has done and we can rely on his promises. And those promises are, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man should do unto me. We are fearful sometimes of men, poor puny men. But my friends, may our hope not be in man. Oh, may our hope be in God. As it was, the Lord was the hope of the apostle. That's why he's able to speak with authority. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So the Lord had graciously blessed him, the Lord had graciously blessed the 
Psalmist David. And therefore, having established him in the things of God, let's just read on for a moment. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Perhaps you never had this before. But you see, this is the evidence of a child of God possessing the grace of God. And this is the pattern of the true believer. And so he says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Never perhaps had it before. Never perhaps had reason for it before. But now, if God has heard your cry, you've got a hope in his mercy. You've got a hope in his faithfulness. A hope in his love towards you. And so he hath put a new song in my mouth. Well, has God done that for you? He's done it for me. A new song. And what is it? Even praise unto our God. When was the last time you praised God? When you praise God. And, goes on to say, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. It was a praise to God that others heard of. Well, has God done anything for you this year that you can praise God for? Anything in your natural life, anything in your spiritual life, you see, the devil wants you and me to be silent. And he's pretty clever at shutting our mouth. And he'll tell you, well, that's not worth speaking about. There's nothing in that. No, just carry on. My friends, don't forget the devil's a liar. He always has been. He always will be. Therefore, don't listen to him. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. You see, if the Lord God has come, heard your cry, delivered you from the horrible pit you were in, brought you up out of it, you've got great reason, have you not? Because you have now good hope that this great God has looked upon you you have reason to praise him. Put a new song in my heart, mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. You see there's a knock on effect. Yes, if you are able to declare what God has done for your soul. It's an encouragement for others to believe in the great God. And this great God is one who hears and answers prayer. And there is therefore that positive hope that he who has helped me hitherto but helped me all my journey through. Patience, my friends, for this. Patience is the gift of God. Don't be impatient. But as I said earlier, the Lord says, 
your time is always, but my time is not yet. But he waits to be gracious. He waits to be gracious. And my friends, what a mercy. If you're able to trace out his good hand upon you and to therefore have that good hope that the Lord is preparing you and me for that heavenly harvest and the Lord will come and take us home to glory. Now, you know, these thoughts are not morbid thoughts. To the child of God, it's a good prospect. It's a good hope. You only have to read the testimony of the children of God in the Word of God. And you will see that they look forward. There's the evidence of it in some way or another that they are partakers of this glorious salvation. That their hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What does it mean? It means that they're resting on the finished work of Christ. My friends, that's the blessing. And that's what you and I need, the Holy Spirit, to give us that good hope, not in ourselves, but a hope in what Christ has done, because he fulfilled all that the Father gave him to do. It was a glorious work, and he did not fail. Never underestimate the cost of our salvation, your salvation and my salvation. It cost the Lord of life and glory, of light and glory, <coughs> his life. And what an agonizing death the Saviour endured so that you and I might possess this wonderful gift of eternal life. You and I might indeed possess this hope for we are saved by hope. This good hope in what Christ has done. I often say and I often think, and my friends you think and say, never weary of going to Calvary. Never weary. And by faith, viewing the suffering Saviour on that cross, in agony, paying the price to redeem our souls. He didn't back away. He pleaded with his Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there, my friends, is a glorious example for us today. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because God's will for his church, for his people, for you and me, is best. Is best. I'll tell you why. It'll have a good end. What you and I perhaps might propose for ourselves might end up in chaos. But you see what God does will do us good and 
the great blessing is it will bring us safe home to glory. So let's come back to what I said to begin with. What a good thing it is if our hearts and our affections are set upon things above, not on things on the earth. Well, we read this um, beautiful chapter, this eighth chapter of the Romans, and uh, as we came to the end, he said, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died here, rather, that is risen again. Yes, we have a risen Saviour today, seated on the Father's right hand in glory, there to intercede for us in our prayers. As we approach unto our Father, the glorious Saviour, yes, with garments stained in blood, there he intercedes for us. And therefore, he's able to say, it is Christ that died here, rather than is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And you know, if, if we are in Christ, once in Him, in Him forever, you can't fall out. We do need to be in Christ. Because if we're in Christ, as the Apostle tells us here, nothing shall separate us. And he gives us a long list to just ensure that we understand there is no separation. Once in him, in him forever. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a great question, isn't it? You might wonder. Well, he gives us this list. And, uh, he's, uh, and he says, Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Nay, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things. That's comprehensive, isn't it? In all things, we are more than conquerors. Through him, Christ conquered. He didn't fail. And we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. How humbling to think that this great God loved such unworthy sinners of the earth. And therefore the apostle then is able to, having raised the question, having given those negatives, he now comes and tells us the positives. For I am persuaded. And it's good, you know, when you and I are fully persuaded of the truth of God. The devil will try and dissuade you. Go to the Bible. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, depth nor any other creature nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord well where's our hope then is it upon what Christ has done 
That's a good foundation. Do we rejoice in it? I hope we do. Rejoice in the Lord evermore for his great love and mercy toward us. And so let's read this again. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. But what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, we see not. There, therein do we with patience wait for it. We need patience. The Lord will come. Wait on the Lord. Yes, wait on the Lord. And hope in the Lord. And remember what the Lord says never fails. Bless God for it. Rejoice in the truth of God's word. Rest upon it. And look forward to that great day of blessing when by his grace we will be safely harvested into that heavenly garner to be forever with the Lord. Amen.